0: Hey, friends. I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and plants and pets that are important to you. Given the guest we have on this episode, I'm imagining there are some folks listening who have never heard People Are the Enemy before. And to you, I'd like to say hello. Welcome. My name is Andy Mascola. I'm the host of this podcast. I discovered the comedy of Tom Sharpling and John Worcester via WFMU back in 2003. Tom was playing with bars of Toblerone as if they were puppets. Uh, the bit, if you can call it that, was simultaneously hilarious, absurd, and strangely intimate. I-, I was instantly hooked, and I listened to every archived episode, and from that fateful day back in '03 to the present, I- I've enjoyed the best show every week without missing a single moment. Uh, first-time listeners to People Are the Enemy, I hope you like what you hear. I've I've had many Best Show callers and Best Show adjacent folks as guests on this podcast. I'm very proud of those episodes. And if you're a hardcore Best Show fan, I encourage you to seek them out. Much like the current iteration of The Best Show, there are no ads on People Are the Enemy. Unlike the current iteration of The Best Show, there is no Patreon set up for this podcast. The only thing I've ever asked of my listeners is that if you love People Are the Enemy and you'd like to help support it, and myself monetarily, and get yourself or the reader in your life some fine literature, please consider purchasing one or two of my books. I'm the author of eight novels that are all currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon, and if you don't use Amazon, you can find most of my books in paperback format at barnesandnoble.com. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. enemy listeners this is episode 184 of the people are the enemy podcast thank you so much for checking it out our guest tom sharpling was a writer and executive producer for the emmy award winning show monk tom is also a comedian producer and music video director for 18 years he has hosted the weekly radio call-in comedy program the best show with tom sharpling he is also known as the voice of greg universe on the hit cartoon network animated series steven universe and Along with Julie Klausner, he co-hosts the podcast Double Threat. Tom Sharpling is the author of the national best-selling memoir, It Never Ends, which can be purchased right now by going to TomRodabook.com. Now, at this point, I'd like to speak directly to FOTs, best show fans listening who have yet to purchase It Never Ends. If you think you know Tom Sharpling, you don't. Take it from a guy who's been a fan for 18 years. I was at times... Sincerely shocked by the things I learned while reading Tom's memoir, It Never Ends. I laughed out loud, and then I cried, and then I laughed again, and then I cheered. FOTs, you can't lose. Tom is not a crap merchant. I, I, I promise, if you love Tom Sharpling, you'll love It Never Ends. If you've never heard of Tom Sharpling, but you love a great underdog story, oh, well, you're gonna love It Never Ends. And without any further ado, let's speak now with Tom Sharpling. Hello, Tom. Are you there? Hey, how are you, Andy? I'm doing all right. Before I start asking you questions, Tom, let me just say, you did it, you S.O.B. You did it.
1: Thank you. There it is. That's what I was waiting for. That's what I was waiting for. And that was some intro. You are a longtime fan of the show, and I am truly touched by your dedication and a little confused that you never got off board and but god bless you
0: thank you so much thank you so much for speaking with me this is really special tom tom well, it's, 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 it's mutual thank you sir tom i have to imagine that there was a a considerable amount of time between when the manuscript for it never ends was completed and submitted and the book was ultimately made available for purchase given the intimate nature of a lot of the details you reveal about your life in your memoir, was the wait for the book's release at all nerve wracking for you? Um,
1: yeah, it was very nerve wracking. That's kind of the perfect word for it. Um, as you know, as somebody who has listened to the show for as long as you do, it's like, I've talked about so many things in my life and I've been pretty open about, but I've been open about certain things and, uh, now you can see in retrospect, I was very, uh, closed about other things and it really was knowing that I was just going to go for it and tell the things the way I told them and not, um, just not look back. I was just going to go forward and just go for it. And I did. And there was a lot of fear attached to that. And also a lot of, um, I I guess a lot of just unburdening as well. So it was a little bit of both.
0: Right on. Uh, Tom, you've you've done a lot of press for this book. On your show, you said you would talk with anyone to promote It Never Ends, including even a nursing home newsletter, if you were asked. Which incredibly actually happened. Uh, Tom, your derision for Joe Rogan is no secret. Now, if he asked you to appear on his podcast to promote It Never Ends, would you? Of
1: course. I'd do it in a heartbeat. It might not go well, but I would still give it a shot. I don't. uh, I I think it's kind of a a low percentage play that he would ask me to be on it at this point um, or at any point. But I would do that. Of course, he wouldn't like me.
0: Okay, very good.
1: Do you think he'd like me?
0: I, I think, I think he'd, he'd be crazy not to like you. I don't know anybody who, oh, who couldn't sweet. like you.
1: Well, I, I do, so...
0: Oh. Well, I, I love you, and I, I know a lot of our listeners love you, too, so, so... Well, that's all that matters. You're in good company. Yes, sir. Tom, while we're on the topic of dubious comedians, there's a question I've been dying to ask you regarding an incident that occurred years ago on The Best Show during a live on-air phone call between yourself and Todd Barry. Now, he's not the dubious comedian in question. I should I should mention that right off. Now, at the time, you were still doing the best show from WFMU, and Todd was on his phone on the streets of New York City waiting to meet up with Louis C.K. Do you remember this call?
1: Oh, very much so.
0: Okay. <clears throat> For listeners who don't know, I'll, I'll describe what happened. at the At the end of this particular phone call, Todd said to Tom something like, Oh, here comes Louis. Do you want to talk to him? And Tom said something like, Let him just say hello and I'll hang up. And that was exactly what happened. Louis C.K. said hello, and you didn't say a word, you just hung up on him, and it was hilarious. Fast forward years later, knowing what we know now regarding Louis C.K., I couldn't help but remember back to that moment during that one phone call between you and Todd, and I wondered if you had any inclination back then that Louis C.K. had been acting reprehensibly.
1: Well, I mean... The, the, it was the world's biggest open secret that there were some incidents happening, and I've—I was. It's one of those things where I was not uh, a party to those things, so I couldn't say as fact that things had happened. But you hear things third hand. So, for me personally, it's like I try not to just indulge stuff that I don't know is fact and act like it's fact if I don't know if it's, if it's something like that. But then when it became uh, clear, it was just, it was, it was just, it was bad the way I had, uh, heard it. And it was just a very strange thing for there to be this rumor for somebody that was getting more and more popular. And well, it's not somebody, I, I don't know him. I mean, I never met him before that. That was the closest, um, I ever can I think wait I actually did I said hello to him backstage at a show uh, at Largo in Los Angeles once but still he couldn't pick me out of a lineup wouldn't know I existed I didn't I don't know him you say hi to somebody that doesn't mean you know him I don't know the guy at Seven Eleven I say hi to him um, but yeah it's 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 a very strange thing for there to be these open secret type rumors and then you find out the story behind the rumors so. Mm. It's very uh, it's very unfortunate, and it's uh, yeah.
0: Thanks, thank you for answering that, uh, Tom. As I've already mentioned, it never ends. Has some surprising revelations. One of which for me was that you were at one time really into the Rocky Horror Picture Show. E- equally surprising for me was that there were things I knew you were a fan of that were never mentioned in your memoir. Uh, two examples of this are the band Guided by Voices and the trash TV talk show host Morton Downey Jr. Did the folks who published your memoir advise you at all against including references to things that they thought may be too esoteric for readers who may not be as familiar with you?
1: No, there was no guidance at all with anything in terms of what should or should not be mentioned with anything. They didn't have any restrictions or... or, or uh they didn't try to tell me what to do or not to do with the book. I just was telling the stories that I wanted to tell and it got to the point where I couldn't tell literally all of them. So the ones that are in the book comprise the book because I did want the book to fit some sort of narrative, even though it bounces around chronologically and, and has a lot of different, um, Different, different kind of arcs to it. I wanted it to have an overall, um, like an emotional arc to it, maybe not a, a, a arc that was uh, applied to a, time, a literal timeline. Um, yeah, I just, got, I could very well have written about Guided by Voices in the book or written about Morton Daddy Jr. in the book. It just, there's only so many pages. Sure. I'm not, but I'm not, I just, I didn't want it to be some. Um, I wanted the book to be substantial, but not exhaust people either.
0: Right on. Very good. Tom, in your memoir, you mentioned reading a lot as a younger person. In particular, I think at one point you talk about reading a lot of science fiction. Uh, I was curious, as a, as a writer myself and a guy who loves to read, um, and I know we have a lot of folks listening who are, are also uh, book fans, I was hoping that you might share with us, who some of those authors were that you were enjoying back then?
1: Hmm. Who would those have been? I remember reading Michael Moorcock stuff. Um, Ursula K. Le Guin, is that one of them? She writes about dragons or something, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, she does the those Earthsea books. I actually just read her for the first time this past year.
1: I couldn't tell you, this is the first time I've thought about Those, those are the only two that... That come to mind. Um, I did subscribe to some sort of fantasy sci-fi book club, and I think they would send me books, and I would read some of them. And definitely, I didn't read other ones. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I remember liking Michael Moorcock, and then being excited when I found out he there was a Hawkwind connection to Michael Moorcock, that he had written lyrics for Hawkwind and worked with uh, Robert Calvert, who was a member of Hawkwind, on his solo albums. Oh, Um, very cool. So that was exciting as an adult to find that out, but I never went back and read Michael Moorcock after that.
0: Okay. Had had you seen the Ursula K. Le Guin documentary? No. Yeah, it was pretty good. No, was it good? Yeah, it was all right. It it got me interested enough to, to seek out her work. Okay. Yeah,
1: I'm. I'm. I'm intrigued.
0: I, I'm not a huge sci-fi fantasy person. Um, I might read a couple of fantasy or sci-fi books a year. Um, but I saw the documentary and I thought, you know what? It sounds like her work is worth exploring, and uh, and uh, it sure enough uh, it was. I was pleasantly surprised.
1: Mm-hmm. Tom. Okay. Uh, well, you. you It's intriguing.
0: For sure. Uh, it, Tom, I want to go back for for a minute, if you don't mind. I. I'd I'd like to talk about um, John Hodgman's book, That Is All, and the the promotional video that you directed for it that featured music by They Might Be Giants called The Deranged Millionaire. At one point in the short film, John Hodgman and Justin Long walk into a room marked the Celebrity Cameo Room. And in this room can be seen people like Paul Rudd, Nas, Dick Cabot, Ted Leo... Fred Armisen, Questlove, Jack McBrayer, Samantha B, Kristen Shaw, and more. It, the The celebrity cameo room scene lasts for maybe th- thirty seconds. How did you manage to get all these folks in the same place for this scene at the same time?
1: We everybody, everybody, uh, everybody called everybody they could call to see who would do it and who would also get the joke that. They were going to be squandered in the room, <laughs> uh, which was the funniest part of it to me by far. Was the idea of just having Paul Rudd in the thing and completely and utterly wasting his time? Um, <laughs> but he knew, he knew it. He was in on the joke. He thought it was. He thought it was funnier than anybody else, uh, or as funny as anybody else thought it was. He got it because there was just a point in videos around that. Era when it was just a race to see who could get the most cameos in their video, so we really leaned into that and kind of tried to make fun of that the best as we could.
0: Very good. So everybody got everybody got along, I assume.
1: Oh yeah, it was great. It was amazing.
0: Very cool. Yeah, very cool moment. Tom, you're a huge music fan, and, and your musical knowledge concerning artists' discographies runs deep. I was hoping that. I could give you the name of some bands, and you could tell me what you consider to be their best album to date. What you what you think is their their best? This, uh, Andy. Yes, sir.
1: We could do this for six hours a day, every day.
0: <laughs> this could have been the be whole like, show. My,
1: my life would be. This would be such a a, a quality of life improver <laughs> if somebody would ask me for six hours a day. <laughs> just tell me the best albums these artists have put out go for it i am so into this
0: okay all right well we'll start with with what i know is to be one of your favorites uh, king crimson
1: uh, king crimson i'd go with either red or uh it got to boil it down to either red or uh, in the court of the king's crimson king
0: okay how about the kinks
1: kinks i'd go with arthur
0: same right on uh pink floyd
1: Pink Floyd, it's a tricky one. It depends what era you want to get excited by. Uh, I mean, obviously, if we're talking if we're talking Sid era Pink Floyd, there's only one to choose from. You're talking about Piper. If we're talking the era between Sid and Dark Side, then you're talking about probably Adam Hart Mother uh, or the f- live side of Amagama, the live disc of Amagama. If you're talking Pink Floyd as the biggest band on the planet, then uh, Animals is way up there. But Dark Side of the Moon is one of the best sounding albums that's ever been made, and you kind of the it's undeniable. And It's amazing that a record at that recorded at that point sounds like it was recorded today.
0: Fantastic! That was a great answer, Tom. Thank you. How about Black Sabbath?
1: Black Sabbath. I'd go with the first one. I still like the first. The first one has a, a, a stupidity to it that <laughs> um, is. Uh, uh, whereas I don't enjoy the stupidity of the first two Led Zeppelin albums the way uh, other people do. I like the stupidity of the first two Black Sabbath albums the way uh, in, in that regard. I think that was them at their best.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Speaking of Led Zeppelin, that's next on my list. Led Zeppelin.
1: You go with Physical Graffiti. That that one kind of covers all the bases. It has an epic on it. It has Cashmere. It has uh, uh, In My Time of Dying. It has it has every version of what you would want from Led Zeppelin is on that album. If you only have time for a single one, then Houses of the Holy is is the most fun and. Uh, four
0: is just packed with classics that you already know. How about Aerosmith?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't even know what would be my favorite Aerosmith album proper. Probably Toys in the Attic, I guess. Okay. I mean, Draw the Line is my favorite Aerosmith song, but it's, that's not my favorite Aerosmith album.
0: Okay. Uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival.
1: Um, I'd go actually with credence. I would just probably go with studio albums. I'd go with, uh, um, with Cosmos Factory. I just think it's 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 like it's like their Abbey Road. Be- they were the West Coast Velvet Underground, Andy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a go good analogy.
1: I'd go with one of the live ones, probably. The live ones are just are just destroy. They're so rocking and you realize when I say they're the West Coast Velvet Underground when I say that you realize I'm not joking if you listen to the live stuff
0: very cool very cool all right how about the Beach Boys Tom
1: Beach Boys um at this point in my life I might go for um I'd either go for 2020 or Sunflower probably that's I've, I've kind of lost interest in a lot of the prime era stuff just because I've listened to it more than I've ever listened to any band ever kind, kind of, I, I know, I know it so well that I don't need to hear it again. I kind of, it is, it is a part of me. Hmm. Um, how
0: about the, the Beatles?
1: I'd go with the White Album. I think there's something nice to, to see them being messy, and Revolution Number Nine is is uh, awesome. And people think that's like the worst song on the record. It's like no, that they were they were doing something with their platform like that and get, and using it for an extended experimental uh, tape tape collage. Is is insane that that's what they did.
0: Have you seen this new Hulu special with Paul McCartney and Rick Rubin?
1: I've not watched it yet. Does Rick Rubin convince Paul McCartney to record an album uh, <laughs> just playing with an acoustic guitar in it because I'm pretty sure that's what he does with everyone else. <laughs> at what point does he say? Paul, oh, you just let me produce you and we'll we'll I got the vision for it. We'll just strip <laughs> it down. And it's just you and a guitar.
0: I've only seen the first episode, so I don't know. Good happen. Throw,
1: guy throws out. The guy produces Johnny Cash, and somehow he's supposed to be uh, the world's greatest genius. Then he told Johnny Cash to <laughs> ditch the horn section and the backup singers. He tells him to just strip it down and make it basic again. Oh, you mean like oh, you mean like Ring of Fire? Go back to that, sound? Oh wow, what, a, what an innovation!
0: So good. All right, how about uh, how about the Rolling Stones, Tom?
1: Rolling Stones, this is the one that irks everybody. is when I say <laughs> Satanic Majesties request is by far my favorite Rolling Stones album. I, I it, look, if I want if I want one that the people will accept, I say Let It Bleed. I'd rather to listen to Satanic Majesties more than any other Rolling Stones album. It is rockin', it it is a it is a psychedelic blues album and Anybody that can't get out of their own way and realize how great that album is deserves to not enjoy that album because that album rules and it's it's just, it's, it's so great. They did Psychedelia so well. The one time they tried it, I mean, look, We Love You is an amazing single. They just, they were, they had a little window there where they were just as good at that as anybody. But then they... Decided to get real. <laughs> Beggars banquet.
0: How about uh, how about the pet shop boys, Tom?
1: Um, well, for anybody who's new to it, I would say you go with um, you probably go with the the discography, the greatest hits, because they have they are as unparalleled in terms of hits as anybody could be. But um, I guess if it came down to the albums, what would I say? Um, is it not very? What do I like? What's the second? The, no, I like the one that has uh, October Symphony and being boring, and I'm blanking on the name of it. It's not actually. It's not. Ver- it's not very. It's. Um...
0: Was it Yes Please or something like that? Or am I am I confusing that no, with no, a, a Happy no, Mondays,
1: Mondays album? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But now I gotta look it up. Hold on. Sir, so, sure, sure. Sketch Shop Boys Discography. Here we go. Where are we? Um Behavior ah, is the one.
0: Okay. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Very good. How about Radiohead, Tom? Where do you what album would you would you pick from the Radiohead catalog?
1: That's a tricky one. I end up listening to I end up listening to Okay Computer. I've listened to OK Computer more than any other one. I enjoy the one-two uh, oh, oh, punch of uh, uh, Kid A and, and Amnesiac. Um, I know some people don't love uh, "Hail to the Thief. I think Hell to the Thief is amazing. It's kind of like the it's kinda, that and uh, In Rainbows. They don't get enough credit for, for kind of... They straddle the line between the two radio heads on those two records. And then King of Limbs, I thought that record sucked, and only during the pandemic did it make sense to me. And mm. then suddenly it was like, oh, I get it now completely. What was that? How did I miss this? Yeah. Um, but all push comes to shove. We'll go with OK Computer, because it's a big, bold statement. And then they ran from it. They decided <laughs> they did not want to become U2, and then Coldplay said, whoop. Well, become you too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well put. Well put. How about I know you love this all of this band's albums, but if you had to just pick one from MGMT, what what one would you? Oh, I'll take Congratulations. Second yeah. album, perfect perfect album, one of the all-time great albums. Love all the albums, but Congratulations is a masterpiece. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Uh, how about Unrest?
1: Unrest um Album-wise, uh, Malcolm X Park kind of captures the the them at their their most schizophrenic, where each song is like a different band. But in terms of pure album enjoyment, you got to go with Imperial FFRR. Is just such a beautiful record and so underrated. They did not get the credit for pioneering something that they pioneered. They totally did uh, another masterpiece.
0: How about The Fall?
1: Mm, that's a good one. I've been listening to a lot of The Fall lately. whole lot of The Fall. And, and you know what album was really moving me in a way that it didn't before was... Um, Man, what was, like, uh, what am I, I gotta look at discography, hold on a
0: second. Sure.
1: This is gonna mess me up if I don't listen to discography. (laughs) Um, what was I listening to a lot? I was listening to a lot of, um, I kept listening to Wonder and Frightening World Mm -hmm. a lot, um, I mean, you could say "slates" in a way is the perfect fall record. It was a ten-inch, not a full length, but it's kind of perfect. Um, man, Ben Sinister is so good. I mean, they're so they're, they're so good. They're just I. And here's a crazy thing I'm gonna say is I feel like Marky e. Smith is in its own in his own way was the British James Brown. You just think about that. Think of the fall where, like, it was a band that was groove-oriented with a front man that was just doing whatever they wanted over the top of these amazing grooves. And they went forever.
0: Yeah. I see it. I can see it. Public Image yeah. Limited.
1: I'd go with um, Metal Box. Mm-hmm.
0: Emerson Lake and which Palmer. I, which I
1: will say. I will say this.
0: Oh, sorry. Andy. Go ahead, please.
1: As a, as, a, as a little reward to myself, when I when the book came out, I said I'm gonna buy myself something nice because I deserve a special treat. And I bought finally bought a copy of Metal Box in its original you form did. in the canister with the three 12 inches. Yes. Wow. It's, it's all rusty, but it's beautiful. And it's it's just love it to death Emerson Lake and Palmer uh, Brain Salad Surgery or uh, Welcome Back My Friends to the show that never ends a live album might be the best representation of them so we'll go with that
0: very cool 3LP set very nice thank you for doing that with me Tom that was a lot of fun
1: wait we don't have 70 more to do (laughs) (laughs) 71 more
0: want one more. Okay, let me just. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll pick up a Rolling Stone magazine and I'll just. Uh, I'll th- thumb through and the first artist I recognize, I'll. I'll... Don't ask me Morgan Wallen. I can't <laughs> tell you his. All right, hang on here. I will go through. Um, let me just see here. Oh, of course. There's nothing but TV and movie yeah, articles.
1: do about Foo Fighters. Don't ask me Foo Fighters.
0: Oh geez, I opened up to the Metallica page, Tom. I don't like them. I don't like the only ones, no. whichever
1: one's the shortest is what I would say. With them. Or I'd say Lulu. I'd say Lulu would be the
0: You know one what? Go. I, that's what I was that's I Lulu caught my eye and I thought, like, well I won't say Metallica, but maybe I'll ask him about Lou Reed. Do you do you have a favorite yeah. Lou Reed album, Tom?
1: Yeah, um. What do I listen to more than any other one? I probably listen to Street Hassle more than than the rest um um, but also blue mask yeah that's a hard one Lou reed also that was a very important person to me in the writing of this book and and i a story i don't think i've really told was that um i had to get permission to get to quote the lyrics to kill your sons and basically long story short i had to go all over the place asking for favor upon favor to get in touch with somebody over at the Lou Reed estate and I um, got some very nice help. And ultimately from, from um, everybody who worked over there and um, it was uh, Jason Stern and Don Fleming were so kind to me and they ultimately put me in touch with uh, Laurie Anderson, who, who was very generous in terms of granting permission to lyrics without charging me an arm and a leg.
0: Wow! So, right on. That meant a lot. I think yeah. that's, that's a great place to end Tom. Thank you so, so much for talking with me. This has been so much fun.
1: No, Andy, this has been a total treat and I appreciate your support for as long as you've supported the best show. And it, it really does mean a lot to me. So uh, thank you so much for, for caring as long as, and as as much as you have. Oh it's my pleasure. My pleasure. This
0: has been episode one hundred and eighty-four of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as a dollar ninety-nine. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you so much, Tom Sharpling. The book is called It Never Ends. If you haven't, please pick it up. If you're a Best Show fan, you are going to be so, so happy. I promise. We love you. Peace.